All right, hello everybody and welcome to Inside the Glass, the original Southern Arizona hockey podcast hosted by Robliano and Eric Clock. This is the second of our off-season episodes. We were originally going to do an RFA episode as our second episode, but we decided to switch, switch the script and do a uh, UFA episode for episode two. Because uh, we've got a lot of things going on, but before we get to unrestricted free agents, Eric and I do have to say that uh, since the last episode, since episode one, it was officially announced that the cap, the salary cap of the 2019-2020 season has officially been set at $81.5 million, a whopping $1.5 million less than everyone thought it would be. A few months ago, Eric, what are your thoughts on the 1.5 million cap hit? Well, I mean, teams like Toronto and Vegas and uh, San Jose, you know, pretty much anyone that's handed out a big contract lately and is right up against the cap has to be pretty upset about this because 1.5 million dollars is quite a bit to be missing. I mean, that's a pretty uh, decent depth player just with that cap hit, 1.5 million dollars. You know, I mean it's going to make things more interesting because now GMs are going to have significantly less wiggle room when making moves over the remainder of the summer. Um, so I'm kind of just curious to see how things unfold at this point, you know, with I, that new figure in mind. I think the big thing for me when I, when I heard it and I'm like, wow, NHL way to wait until the last minute, literally to just to tell us when, what the cap would be. Cause like everyone didn't know, like, the GMs didn't know, so, like, they were just kind of, like, guessing they was going to be up to higher. I mean, I guess they were going to hope it's going to be the high, uh, the higher limit of what was it predicted. Um, it was predicted at 83, and I think even Bettman himself was hinting that that was what it was going to be. Yeah, I think I think he even said that, too. He's like, yeah, it seems like we're going to be around 83 next year. And, I, and it, you know, everyone was hoping that it made sense. It was like, okay, let's do that, and then... All of a sudden, it's just like, yeah, no, it's eighty-one. Like, I don't, like, I don't get why it took them that long to decide that. You know, it would be really interesting to tie the salary cap to. Like, what if you decided a baseline salary cap figure and then tied it to whatever percentage increase in league revenue there was? So let's say league revenue increased by seven percent from year to year. What if you increase the salary cap by the same amount? It'd give it a bit more predictability, and there'd be a bit more rhyme and reason, don't you think? Oh, yeah. and I, You know what? I wouldn't surprise me if any kind of something similar to that is part of the talks of the uh, the next CBA, which, of course, we know is going to um, – is negotiation period start within the next year or so. So it's – that – Yeah, I mean, that I, I think it makes sense from a year-to-year basis. I mean – Peg it to league revenue. I mean, player salaries should rise with league revenue rises, you know? Yeah, it makes sense, totally. I um, We'll see how that turns out. You know, again, it wouldn't surprise me if that's part of the whole CBA negotiations, just because of the fact that, like, you know, some players are wanting that, wanting the salary cap to go up because players want to get paid more. And, that, and we're getting to that era where, you know, higher contracts becoming more of a thing. And we, this is, we've never mm-hmm. seen contracts this high before. Well, I think that the players that really feel the squeeze the most um, with lower salary caps in situations like this are the veteran players because the star pay- players get paid no matter what. 
you know, with Connor McDavid making what he makes now with the, the contract that Austin Matthews got recently with the contract that Eric Carlson got recently. I mean, you see clearly that the star players in the league get paid what they get paid. Um, but what happens with that though, when you have a lower salary cap is teams need to fill those spots with guys on entry level contracts. So it's like the veteran middle grade, like middle of the road, average career type guys that lose their jobs when this happens. Yeah, and it makes sense, um, and, it's, and it's showing on a lot of the uh, um, on a lot of the players, like people, like pl- players who were 38, 39, 40 years old, you know, and um, when that when, when that salary cap hits and a team can't afford to play any like to play them anymore, but or pay pay them anymore, but the player still has you know a couple years left on him because he still. Pl- you know, playing at a pretty elite level for his age, then that it it's unfortunate when you see something like that. Yeah, I mean, it is, but I guess that's just the way of the world. There's always guys entering leagues. I mean, we just got done with the draft. Entering the league, I mean. There's always guy. We just got done with the draft, you know. Um, somewhere the space has to be made, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think we can – talk about a really big trade that happened at the draft as you were as rob was saying our last episode was before the draft um and during the draft on june 22nd the new jersey devils made the biggest trade of the day with nashville acquiring pk subin in exchange for steven santini jeremy davies a 2019 second round pick which was the 34th overall selection which was used to draft bobby brink and a 2020 second round pick what are your thoughts on the trade rob Oh, it was a pretty huge trade, and if I'm an, if I'm a New Jersey Devils fan, I'm dancing in my seat because not only um, did did the Devils acquire um, or draft Jack Hughes that night before, but they also just got one one of the best defensemen in the league just within again 24 hours later. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it is, and I mean. I'm looking at Santini right now. To be honest with you, I didn't even know who he was when I heard this trade get announced. And he's a borderline NHL player. He has spent time in the uh, AHL and NHL in each of his past four seasons. He's 24 years old, the defenseman. Um, so, you know, I don't know exactly what his ceiling is. It doesn't sound like it's incredibly high. And then I'll look at Davies right now, too. Um and it's the same sort of story with Davies too, but Davies at least is a uh, 22 year old guy coming straight out of college right now. Played his last season with uh, Northeastern University in the NCAA with 36 points in 37 games as a defenseman, like I was saying. So maybe Davies turns out to be an absolute gem, and Nashville really likes that player in particular, and that's going to end up being the key per- uh, piece of the deal going forward. Um, but I definitely like this deal more for New Jersey than I like it for Nashville. I agree with you. I think the only thing that someone can even think about is a potential reason why or why not. It's just the um, the cap hit. You know, $9 million, yes, it's you know it, it's a pretty good deal for a guy like P.K. Subban, but at the same time, uh, people uh, many people would think that his um, – his value went down a little bit at, like after not have after having a bit of a down year last year. He wasn't like what PK Subban would be, um, but I it's still again as I said, if I'm a New Jersey Devils fan, I'm still dancing in my seat. That's a, still a big acquisition. 
Yeah, and I mean, maybe P.K. Subban needed a little change of scenery uh, from Nashville because, like you said, it was a bit of a down year by his standards. Um, he was hurt for quite a bit of it. I mean, he was out. He only played 63 games last year, so um, I don't know. I mean, I really like it for New Jersey, too. Obviously, um, adding a number one defenseman is going to be huge. They're really trying to retain Taylor Hall right now because Taylor Hall is going to be part of next summer's UFA class. I mean, I don't mean to put the cart way ahead of the horse here and talk about next summer's UFA class, but um, New Jersey right now is going to make a lot of moves trying to keep their best player, and I think P.K. Subban uh, does a lot to accomplish that. Yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see exactly how um, New Jersey uses him and exact, just how they look next year. Oh, number one defenseman, no question about it. But, it. I mean, I think it's a question of how well P.K. Subban does in that role for New Jersey. Oh, yeah. It's going to be um, yeah, it's gonna be an interesting year for New Jersey. Just because, like I said, not only did they pick up uh, New Jersey, but, you know, they got Jack Hughes, too. So it's a... Uh, yeah, they did. Then so. I they could go any number of directions, New Jersey. They're one of those teams that's kind of a wild card every year. You don't know exactly what they're going to do. Um, so, yeah, that was really the big trade of draft day. For the most part, other deals were just... Um, well, there were a couple other ones. Um, there were. There you, were. You know, um, and I'll say nothing... One, we don't really need to discuss too much, but may, maybe on a different... On, on another episode, because I don't want to go... Too long here, but of course the the deal that sent uh, J T Miller on over to Vancouver as one mm-hmm. as one big, and then another one and is kind of to segue into free agency is the Toronto Maple Leafs trading Patrick Marlowe and his cap hit to the Carolina Hurricanes, where he will reportedly very likely be bought out by that team. Well, I mean, as we were saying in the last episode, um, he doesn't really have much of an intention on um, going anywhere other than San Jose, right? So, I mean, going to Carolina would be the exact opposite of that, you know, on the complete opposite side of the country, three times zones away. Um, I mean, if Carolina didn't hold up their end of the bargain, they could afford him. I mean, they have $24 million of cap space. Yes, Ajo needs a new deal. And um, he's probably going to cost $8 million, but we'll talk more about RFAs next episode. Um, but $24 million is a lot of cap space to work with, even with that Marlowe deal in there. Keep that in mind. Yeah, I think the big thing is um, the, uh, the Hurricanes, I believe, there's a report saying that they were going to try to convince Marlowe to play for Carolina. And if they, if, he, if they can't convince him, then they'll just buy him out, let him become a free agent, where he will likely sign in San Jose at the league minimum, uh, $750,000 or whatever it is. Right. I could find that out in CBA. Let's see. Um, yeah, 750 looks right as a league minimum for a veteran player for a 35 plus player. Yeah, it would make sense. Um, yeah. Um, and that's it. And you know what? Like, and I'm sure that's a, that's a deal that he will take. He because uh, you know again, like as I was saying earlier, Patrick Marlin knows he's in on the twilight of his career, and I'm sure that's what that's why he t- was earlier last week talking about wanting to be in San Jose because he wants to finish his career in the team that drafted him and the team that he played for for 20 years. 
Right. Well, yeah, I mean, that all makes sense. I mean, Patrick Marlowe was drafted second overall. It's He's he's a San Jose Shark. He'll always be thought of as a San Jose Shark. He's like his nickname is still Mr. San Jose Shark. That's how right. big it is. Um, a lot of what's interesting though is there's a lot of people who are still refusing the idea of Patrick Marlowe returning to San Jose. Um, how come? They, um, the first argument is that Patrick Marlowe will block the um, development of young players. I don't get that argument because my counter argument to that is. If how can he block the development of a young player? If this if let's say uh, Patrick Marlowe is going to be you know most likely a third or fourth liner, I'm going to say most maybe mostly a fourth liner, um, and develop developing players just don't play that low. If they're going to play that low, might as well that they play in the AHL if they really want development. Well, the type um, of people that you're arguing with there, Rob, are the type of people that think that it's NHL or bust for player development, and they get mad at you and good young players are down in the AHL yeah. and just think that playing five minutes in the NHL is better than nothing. Yeah. The other That's argument, who you're having those conversations with. The other argument is there's no cap space and that, that I get. Um, from what I hear, I know the Sharks are trying to move around some assets to, to clear some cap space um, with two, the two most notable names that are going to, that are apparently uh, rumored to be on the block, of course, are, um, Melker, Carlson, and Brendan Dillon. But, um, yeah, but still, either way, the whole cap space situation, yes, I get it, because I know the Sharks have a lot of people to sign. And we'll talk about some of those people in a little bit, but I don't... It's, 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 it's ridiculous, those kind of arguments. Like, I don't see really any downside for the Sharks to sign a guy like Patrick Marlowe at a one-year, $750,000 contract. Well, and I mean, and he has every... He doesn't need the money because he's getting bought out by the Leafs and he's going to see every penny or he's going to be... He's being bought out by the Hurricanes and the Leafs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he's going to see every penny of that contract, though. Every uh, dollar that he was signed to in that contract. You know what I mean? So him signing for the extra $750,000 is almost like a bonus... Uh, for playing in San Jose because he's still getting the money from that Leafs contract no matter what. Yeah, and and then not only that is I I, I saw a list of like the top fifteen um, highest paid or the top yeah the top fifteen um, players in the salary cap era and how much money that they've made in their in their careers and Patrick Marleau and Joe Thornton for that matter are in the in that top fifteen just because going how long they've played in the league and the contract the, the previous contracts that they've had. Yeah, um, Thornton's made $107 million in his career. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Let's see what Marlowe's made. Um, but yeah, I think we can talk about the big free agents on that note. Um, yeah, Marlowe's made 97 so they both have made in and around $100 million in their career, so they both don't need money. Um, so yeah. them taking a hometown discount is not out of the realm of putt is definitely something they would do, you know? Oh, I, I also just reloaded cap friendly. And, uh, before we go into the UFAs, I do want to say breaking news. Uh, obviously it's, Ooh, not, it's, what uh, happened? it's kind of breaking news. Everyone knew this was going to happen, but, um, let's say it anyways, cause it's happened just right now. Confirmed by cap friendly. William Carlson signed to an eight year, five point, uh, $5.9 million AAV contract. 
to this I was hearing six, so that's right in line with what we expected. Yeah, and it's officially on cat friendly, so that is what it is. It includes a modified no trade clause. Um, so, well, let's check out that cap situation. Yeah, Vegas still has the cap situation to figure out. I don't know what's going on over there, but. Um, but uh, so the modified no trade clause where it includes a 10 team no trade list that kicks in after the first season. Okay. Okay. That's not that bad. I mean, so you could still, if you wanted to trade Carlson in the future, you still could theoretically work with two thirds of the team in the league. So um, that's not too bad. So yeah, Vegas's projected cap space right now is negative seven point five million. So I just I, I don't know what let's they're have doing. fun with that with three free agents and three RFAs. No, excuse me, four UFAs and three RFAs. So seven free agents of some stripe or another. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. This is just on the. Grand- Up a negative seven point five million. So whose cap situation's worse? I mean, that's the game we've been playing all year. Toronto or Vegas? Well, Vegas is just playing is is just playing with fire right now. Um, yeah. Whose cap situation's worse? It's so bad. I mean, there's seven and a half million over the cap. I mean, in any deal that they try to make with anybody is going to be seen as a cap dump, so they're not going to get great return now, for their here, assets because it's going to be deals of necessity. Now, here's the you interesting I mean? thing about Vegas, though, is um, as we said that their projected cap hit right now is $89 million. The um, From what I hear, the off-season salary cap, so like, you know, once July 1st hits, whatever right um there's a salary cap that players that a team can be at like you know aka you know what they call that wiggle room up for the offseason it's around 90 million they're okay playing. so vegas is bumping right up against yep, that. yeah and they still got people to sign oh boy it'll be doozy it will be vegas will be anyway um, we'll see what happens anyways enough of that yeah, with that said, let's go ahead and start talking about the uh, the top free agents available this upcoming year. And we're going to start off with talking about the, uh, the top free agent forwards available. Um, let's start with those top three. Those are some pretty good top three players available, and it's, uh, it's going to be a loud market. Yeah, yes, it will. I mean, right here we have Artemi Panarin. Matt Duchesne, Joe Pavelski, Matt Zuccarello, Gustav Nyquist, Anders Lee. It's a really good crop right now. But um, with the top three, the two huge names that everyone's looking at right now are Artemi Panarin and Matt Duchesne. Those are the two most coveted uh, guys on the free agent market by far. And um, the Coyotes are rumored to have major interest in Matt Duchesne. And um, I even heard some rumors here and there that they're going to try to talk to Panarin, though I don't think Panarin would come here. Yeah, no, I don't think um, – yeah, I think Panarin would be a difficult person to sell on the uh, Coyotes. But Duchesne is a – you know, I, I – I think I could I, see them getting Duchesne. That's a very good possibility. Um, and we'll see how that works. Uh, and it would be very interesting. Like, I, he, I think he'd, he'd probably do well um, – in in arizona and but the yeah he's a both of those players huge coveted players i think everyone 
Um, everyone knows how big of a deal they are right now. Um, and as the um, interview periods begin, so now as of today, teams are, or players are able to start talking with teams and, and, you know, meet with them and kind of talk about, you know, potential uh, interest in that kind of team. It's like, hey, let's, uh, this is where, uh, like we, just, we think you'd fit in here because X, Y, Z. This is like the whole thing of, you know, the, the John Tavares countdown last year where he had like six or oh, seven yeah. teams try to interview him during this period of time. And it was ridiculous. That was fun. Now we're doing this again, but with... I, more- I think the combo of Panarin and Duchesne on the move is almost as interesting and almost as exciting as uh, John Tavares was. Like right on the same level, I would say. Oh, yeah, because these are, again, because these are... Uh, Two highly Huge covered, names. yeah, two two highly covered free agents. They were, you know, they were phenomenal players. And on the uh, unfortunately for none of these two, that they played, they kind of uh, bounced around between teams a lot. You know, Duchesne with uh, Colorado, Ottawa, and then most course, most recently Columbus and Panarin with uh, um, Chicago and Columbus. But you know, these are. Uh, well, I mean, it was clear from the beginning that Panarin never wanted to play in Columbus. He was always a guy um, that really liked playing for big market teams and has always expressed a desire to play for big market teams. That's why I was a bit surprised when I was reading uh, today that Panarin apparently does not plan on signing with the Blackhawks, according to um, Dave Panyota, a uh, prominent Chicago Blackhawks reporter. Um, but unsurprisingly the islanders have will meet with artemi panarin as um rob was uh discussing with me before the show um i think he goes to my florida i think he goes to florida that's my prediction i think he goes to florida yeah yeah they have you know they they've got the money to spend they can um they've got some pretty enticing guys down there he can become a superstar um pretty fast like he can be the guy for Florida. Well, I mean, you already have guys like Alexander Barkov down there, Evgeny Dadanov. Um, you have Jonathan Huberdeau, Vincent Trocek, Mike Hoffman. I mean, you have one of the best top sixes in the NHL already. And I mean, just slot uh, Panarin right on that top line next to uh, Barkov and Huberdeau. And you just have an absolutely deadly um, forward group. And um, they, there's also a possibility that they could sign um, uh, Sergei Bobrovsky, which we've all been talking about for a while. So yeah, another really uh, Florida big. would be very interesting. To, uh, they have 20 million in cap space. Let's not forget that they could hand out 10 million each right now to Bobrovsky and um, Panarin, and they would they would be able to, they'd be fine. They could do it. I mean, the only guys that they really have. They don't have any huge names up as UFAs or RFAs right now. I mean, just take a look at Florida really quick, Rob. So um, they're they have Troy Brower, Riley Shane, and Jamie McGinn as UFAs, all guys that are expendable and replaceable. Yeah, right. Easily. Yeah. Um, Dennis Malgin, another that's an RFA. Qualify him, see what he gets. Um. Mackenzie Weger and then Ian McCoshin are both RFAs on the back end. Again, very small names. 
no replaceable. Problem. No problem with the goaltenders at all because that's no problem with the goaltender. Well, actually, no. You probably would want to trade one of them if you're signing Bobrovsky. True. So that's even more money uh, freed up. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I could I could see them move out James Reimer, Roberto Luongo. Oh no, no, Roberto Luongo because he's at his age. Right. Because um, Luongo is 40, and he's still got three years well, left. Well, Luongo contract. was signed to one of those crazy contracts way back in the day that GMs used to hand out to get. Those 15-year uh, contracts the or cap. whatever? Yeah, like one of those 15-year deals. What was it? Let's see what it is. Um, this was his current deal. This was before the, uh, um, the when the whole AAV came into play. and really... mm-hmm. Yeah, let's see. What year? How many years is this? Okay, yeah, current contract, 12 years, 64 million, 5.3 million AAV. So it's just one of those crazy long-term contracts, you know, that nobody thought he would play the end of. Uh, but now the cap penalties are different for veteran players retiring um, on these long-term deals. So we'll see how Florida manages that. Yeah, that I don't know, be- maybe trade it to Ottawa, bury some salary in Ottawa. Yeah, I mean Ottawa's um they're well below the the salary floor right now, so But anyways, Florida has a lot of money to work with. Um and why I'd mention Florida as such a um a top contender to land Artemi Panarin uh is the fact that he that Artemi Panarin already has a house in Miami. He already owns property, already owns real estate in Miami. Uh there's a huge Russian community in Miami if you didn't know. Um, it's a very popular place for um, immigrants from Russia to go to. Um, and the players obviously like playing down there, too. I mean, they have a couple of Russian guys on their roster already. Mm-hmm. Uh, namely, Evgeny Dadanov. Barkov's actually finished. He sounds like he'd be Russian, but he's not. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Panthers, Panarin, yes, no. Yay, nay. I, I can see it, and I think, I think, he, I think he'd fit well. Um, then they're also talking about Panarin possibly going to Nashville, which I don't see happening. I mean, he didn't like playing in Columbus ultimately because it was too small of a market for him. Right. Right. And with Nashville, you're kind of doing the same thing. I know that Nashville is a slightly bigger market than uh, Columbus is. Um, but it's still not. Nashville is still not an internationally known city that, you know, like a European from a European perspective would consider a big market. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also just take a look at Nashville's cap situation. They got about 13 million in projected cap space with, uh, uh, the notable UFAs, uh, Wayne Simmons and Brian Boyle. I, I don't think Simmons is coming back. You don't think so? He was just a rental at the deadline. True, true. All he was. Yeah, good point. It's not like he was a part of their long-term plans. It wasn't a guy they were building around. It was a guy that they brought in just for um, a cup run, potentially, which ended very early at the hands of the uh, Dallas Stars. I guess the same could be said about Brian Boyle, too. He's mostly a rental. So Yeah, yeah, he was a rental. Uh, he was like, they bought him a bit earlier on, but he was still kind of a rental. Um, Colton Sisson's an RFA. I mean, it's not – there aren't really any huge names. Oh, <laughs> Roman Yossi is going to be a UFA next uh, next year. Yeah. That will be fun for them to give him a, a new contract. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
making only four million now, you think he'll get a little raise, just a little one? Just 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 a slight bit. You know. Yeah, a slight bit. Um then yeah, I don't know, maybe. We'll see. I don't think he'll go to Nashville because it's too small of a market for him. I'd be shocked if he did. Um Yeah. I can Let's see. What time you Panarin? But, um, so what do you think about Duchesne then? Because I think that Duchesne is a very different player than, uh, than Panarin. I don't think either of them are staying in Columbus. No, I, um, I don't think there's any way Duchesne goes back to Columbus. I know he says he's not closing the door on Columbus, but. Panarin essentially has, but Duchesne says he hasn't. Yeah. And, I mean, players who say that are just kind of, you know, shutting the, or some players who say that just want to stay in that team's good graces in case that there's no interest from other teams and they're just like, well, you know, I tried to test the waters, but it didn't work out. Um, right. But anyways. Well, Columbus, if they lose those two guys, they go into an instant rebuild mode. Yeah, um, it's going to be a difficult No situation. question about that. After trading away a ton of draft picks at the deadline um, to get a bunch, to get like Dezingle and uh, Duchesne there. Uh, John Tortorella is going to be so upset. Yeah, yeah, he will. He will. Um, Columbus is going to have a very interesting offseason. I mean, they don't have many financial constraints, sure. Um, but I don't know. It's going to be very difficult. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see where he goes. I mean, it's, I think the, uh, the interest is gauged quite a, pretty spread out throughout the league. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I think that the coyotes actually could make a pretty reasonable push for Duchesne. It's reported right now that they are going to make a big push for him. I mean, we'll look at the Coyotes cap, station, uh, cap situation really quick, too, because we are an Arizona-based show, as we often right now they have remind six, you all of. Right now, it says on cap friendly they have 6.2. Um, but let's say... Just a ton. But let's say, in all uh, all things considered, um, that they put Marion Hose's contract on the LTIR, so they have... Uh, they open up 5.2 right yeah, there. Yeah, so then they have 11.5. Which, that's enough to land Duchesne, but you have Mario Kempe. He's not going to command a huge salary. Lawson Kraus won't. Lawson Kraus won't either. Richard Nick Ponick, Cousins won't. No. I, I don't think they will, and I don't even yeah. know if all those guys are going to stay, to tell you the truth. No, I don't think so either. I mean, again, if they're going to try to make a push for a guy like Matt Duchesne. But yeah, someone has to go. So maybe Ponick walks in free agency. Not, yeah. Because I think they're going to keep Kempe around because I think he's been a very good soldier for the Coyotes organization. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been that veteran guy in Tucson when they've needed him to be. He's been that number one line center in Tucson when they've needed him to be. Um, and he's also been a depth player for the Coyotes when he needed to be, and he's done well in every role for that he's been placed in in the Coyotes organization. So I would actually like to see Kempe stay another year or two because i think he's been very good for the team Mm -hmm. um both in tucson and in uh, glendale 
<clears throat> and while I like Richard Ponick, I think that's the type of guy that you would let walk if you're going to make a big push for a guy like Matt Duchesne. Yeah. What's interesting, though, about the Coyotes is uh, is Matt Duchesne isn't the only free agent they're after. Mm-hmm. They're after I'll let you take the lead on, on that one. Yeah, the next one on here is the next on my list on top forwards for um, free agents, and that is the... Uh, uh, that's Joe Pavelski. He's, uh, he's, he's one of the big names out there. He's, um, what, 34, 34 years old. So he's, you know, he's got he's some age. There. He's up there. But he just, just, again, he just came off a 38 uh, goal season. Uh, hasn't, from what I heard, hasn't had a less than 20 goal season since like 07 or something like that. Um, He's that kind of player you want to have around. Um, and what's interesting is, you know, I was reading, because I, you know, I read on a lot of the shark side of things, is apparently the Sharks and Pavelski aren't even close in contract situations. So it seems very likely he's going to go and actually, you know, find a new team in free agency. Arizona is one of those teams. The Coyotes have already met with his agent. So... That's another interesting one. Um, Pravelski is another guy who will command a decent amount of cap. Um, my guess is he's look he's probably looking for somewhere around seven million dollars per year, probably for four years ish. That's probably what the contract he's looking for. Yeah, I mean, the nice thing is too is I'm looking right now at the rules for thirty five plus contracts, and the nice thing is about Pravelski being the age that he's at. Uh, 34 years old he narrowly avoids a team having to sign him to a 35 plus contract and the thing that's nice about that is that um if you buy out a guy who's not on a 35 plus deal um you receive a cap hit benefit you know you don't get punished on the cap if he's under 35 when he signs out that contract as badly yeah. as you would if he's over 35 which helps but yeah he's going to command a fair salary like seven million, I think. Yeah, and I think that might be one of the reasons why the uh, the sharks are kind of not. Um, not they don't have a ton because, of money because they don't have a ton of money because the sharks are trying, as we said in the previous episode, is they're trying to sign Pavelski and Meyer and LeBanc and Thornton and potentially Marlowe and all these other guys. Like the, it's a lot of. There's a lot of moving parts and a lot of, and not a lot of space. Uh, well, I mean, even if Marlo, let's say Marlo does come back at that seven hundred fifty thousand, like we were talking about earlier in the show, and let's say for some reason Joe Thornton signs exactly the same contract, you know, just to give for, his team yeah. as much flexibility as possible, which would surprise identical deal, seven hundred fifty thousand each. That's still a million and a half of cap space that they're each eating up. Those two guys, they're still not free. So yeah. take away a million and a half dollars from that projected cap, and you're back down to um, 13.2 million, right? Yeah. So then let's say Timo Meyer commands probably about five or six million. At least. Yeah. If he gets a really good deal, he's a seven, eight million dollar guy. I mean, look at like what Jeff Skinner has. Look, Jeff Skinner got. I don't think Timo Meyer is going to get paid more than Logan Couture, though. That's the thing. No, he won't. Um, I wouldn't surprise me though if Timo Ma- if uh, somehow they try to make bridge deals in place, like bridge contracts. So like to 
they'll say, all right, so you know, we'll have more cap space in about two years when Paul Martin's buyout is gone, when the cap, when, when the salary cap is higher. Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe, they're likely going to be retired. Um, if Pavelski decided to resign, then he's going to be like on a on a uh, uh, thirty-five plus contract. Plus, not to mention that you know, thirty-seven, thirty-eight years old, he will be on the other side of his on, on the twilight of his career potentially. Who knows what who knows what it would be like at that point? So like they will have more room to sign these players, but uh, it's it's going to tough be tough for them, tough to convince to take a contract like that because they don't know. They because. If you're a guy like Timo Meyer, would you rather take less money now, not and like and maybe get injured and then not be able to take a big pay raise later, or you know stuff like that? It's- but one thing that might actually help Timo Meyer, help convince Timo Meyer to sign a lower cap hit bridge deal right now is giving him that flexibility because who knows what the Sharks are going to look like in a couple of years? Their core isn't getting any younger. You know, I mean, maybe the Sharks' best days will be behind them in two, three years' time. I mean, um, and maybe Meyer's going to want that flexibility of being able to move when he wants to. Yeah, you got a you got a good point. Um, yeah. But it's interesting to see uh, back to Pavelski because that's the big one we're talking about. Right. Um, is the the situation where it is because he's is this a, like similar to a situation where you have a player like. Uh, John Tavares or a player like um, really any team, any player who is considered a really good player and has been on their respective teams their entire career. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, you know, Pavelski, you're adding an extra 10 years onto that. Pavelski has been around, um, has been, if you, if you compare it to Tavares, for example, he's been a member of the Sharks since before Tavares was even drafted. Um so he's been around for such a long time and it'd be interesting to see if that's a part of the part of the talks when it goes into when he finally goes to just consider the contract information because we know of course he's going to get interest and he's going to get seven maybe eight million dollars or whatever um because the coyotes look are looking to go after him i think a couple other names on there are the tampa bay lightning as well as the dallas stars um it'd be interesting to see where he ends up because well i could actually really see the coyotes make a big push for him especially if they can't get a guy like matt duchene because you know i think the coyotes found out the hard way last year that they just had did not score enough goals they did not generate enough offense to make the playoffs last year i mean they um, they missed the playoffs by only four points last year. If they mm-hmm. won their last game of the season, they would have only missed it by two, right? Yeah. But they finished 30th out of 31 teams in five-on-five scoring last year. You get a guy like Pavelski, that changes instantly. And say, let's say Pavelski doesn't even get the 38 that he got last say, last season. Let's say Pavelski is a 28-goal guy and that's, for that's, the Coyotes That's next still year. great. That's still great. That's still plus 28 goals for a team that defended really well, goaltended really well last year, but just couldn't get the puck in the back of the net. Plus 28 goals would be huge for an Arizona Coyotes team that just couldn't find um, as much offense as they needed last year. You know? Yeah. Another thing about Pavelski going to the Coyotes, which I can kind of see as a as something that can happen, 
And it's a comment that I saw on Five for Howling when I posted this article about Pavelski and the interest from the Coyotes is he can be a leader. He can be, you know, one of the veteran leaders to go into the Coyotes organization and kind of help nurture these young guys in not not necessarily being better players, but just being better, you know, better people and like a lot more of a well just like having a guy like that that's been around so long in the league is helpful to any young team like the arizona coyotes exactly it helps build a team like it build the team a lot more in in ways like that like i and a calming at, voice on the bench a calming voice on the ice you know a guy that doesn't get jittery in big games big situations it's, one it's the, all helpful that's one of the very reasons why two years ago toronto signed patrick marler to that deal that they, they really wanted patrick marler to go into the toronto to kind of help nurture those super young talent talented guys and mitch marler mitch marner william nylander and austin matthews they're like all right you know these guys are great players that's that's a given but let's kind of help nurture them, kind of create a team, help create like a team atmosphere here. We're going to bring in a veteran like Patrick Marlowe. Well, speaking and, of, did you see his uh, farewell tweet to Toronto where he specifically addressed both um, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner? Yes, I did um, see that. It was extremely heartfelt. It was uh, really interesting to see that side of the game. Um, and, that's, and again, that's the kind of guy that Patrick Marlowe is. And, you look, and again, looking back um, is... The players that come from San Jose, and I'm not saying no, I don't see anywhere like this. It doesn't happen anywhere else on any other team, but like the um, the players that come out of there, you know, after if they play however many years, they kind of have that mentality to them. Like they they just have that, you know, they create a family out of it, you know. And Patrick Marlowe brought that to Toronto, and I and that really helped in the kind of camaraderie and just you know family-like atmosphere that it created within within the organization no absolutely and i mean and they brought him in at exactly the right point in his career mm-hmm. um and in the toronto maple leafs uh, life cycle as a team coming right out of a rebuild so i mean yeah absolutely so maybe joe pavelski is the same sort of thing i mean pavelski is a bit younger than marlo was though when he went to toronto yeah marlo right? was 37 at the time Right. Um, and uh, maybe even, yeah, 37, um, going to be 38. And then um, Pavelski is 34, and within a month he's going to be 35. Um, so, like, yeah, it's a quite a, it's, you know, it's a few years of difference. But, again, you know, when you're at that, at, at that side of 30, then you're going to be, you know, you're going to be a guy that people look up to when you're, you know, people who are younger than 25. Yeah, no, totally. But the only thing I don't like about a Pavelski signing for the Coyotes is um, I think that the Coyotes really need a true number one top line center. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I don't know if Pavelski at this point in his career could fill that. That's where I think I would prefer to see the Coyotes get somebody like Matt Duchesne to uh, Joe Pavelski. I think Matt Duchesne would be a perfect fit for what the Coyotes team needs are. And I think that they would sign him in a second if they could. It just depends on whether or not Matt wants to come to uh, the Coyotes. Pavelski, actually, I don't think he'd be a center. I mean, he'd be a center in the Coyotes probably, but I know the last while he's been played suitably well as a a, a right winger. 
Right. And that's the role he's been best utilized in, in in San Jose for the past couple of years. And that's a good point. That's kind of what I was thinking when I was saying that. Um, when I said that I don't think Pavelski would fit that um, role of a top line center that the Coyotes so desperately need. I mean, um, I think that Derek Stepan's a fine second line center. I think Dvorak's a good third line guy. Um, Michael Grot, well, Michael Grodner's a winger. Brad Richardson, good fourth line guy. So really, the big hole in the lineup is uh, the first line center spot. So um, that's why I say uh, bring in somebody like Matt Duchesne. But if um, I still think that they would use Pavelski as a winger yeah. um, in Arizona, even if they brought him in, just because at this point in his career, that's what he's um, best at. That's what he's best used in All that right. role. You know. Um, yeah, we want to try to get through the some, some of the other players too. So, oh yeah, for so, sure. So let's um, uh, make a quick prediction on, on on Pavelski. Where does he land? I say he goes back to San Jose somehow, some way. You say you could. I I, you know, I really want to say the same thing, but part but there's this part of me where. I really think that around this time, this is where this is where it gets to the that that end where they might not be able to come to an agreement i again i hope he does but i think all things considered i think um pavelski will be wearing another jersey for next year um well doug wilson has shown in the past that he has no problem walking away from guys that were once the mainstays of his team when he let Patrick Marlowe go away, he and clearly look, it showed that and, he's more than willing to. And it didn't make much of a difference, too. He's like, all right, we lost a key guy, but we're going to go and move forward. And who did they bring up from the minors that year after to kind of fill that full-time, like a full-time role on the wing? Timo, Timo Meyer. I remember Timo Meyer in San Jose, uh, my first season covering uh, the Roadrunners. Yeah, he was like when when he was playing for the Barracuda. My God, he was like, and everyone was like, oh, he was the player to watch. Yeah, he was the player. That was the guy that you circled on your stat sheet going into the press box. And yeah, and um, I remember the first year, like you know, when he was still playing in the Barracuda. It was like, um, I think going into the winter, or whatever, and everyone was like, guys, come on, it's Timo time, bring him up. And yeah, they finally did. And look where and look where he's at now. Doing fantastic. Great player. He's, a, Great he, player. he's an RFA, so we're going to talk about him in the next episode. But Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about him next episode. Um, let's talk about some of the uh, other big guys that are up. Okay, so actually, on a Sharks note, because this is another UFA that's a Sharks guy, and it doesn't make sense to really jump around too much. What do you think they do about Gustav Nyquist? I'll um, say this. I think he walks. He walks, but Pavelski walks. They're going to try to find a way to re-sign him. Interesting. Just because they have the space now. We like They're like, all right, we tried to clear some space to try to make some room. Now we have a little bit more because Podolski's gone. Let's try to see what we can do with Nyquist. They're going to try to negotiate, and maybe they'll see what they can do. Um, but I think all things considered, for the most part, they're going to let him walk and because um, I think the... Uh, that's going to be the way it's going to go. I don't think he's going to re-sign in San Jose, though, because I don't think San Jose is going to give him the offer that like, maybe he's looking for. Um, and I think that's the thing is because the hit, like, I don't think, personally for me, I don't think he was what San Jose expected him to be. Like, he don't get me wrong, he was a good player, but he wasn't, like, you know, 
he still had a 60 point year this year between yeah. Detroit and San Jose. Yeah. Um, it'll be, it's, it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it'll be interesting to see how it turns out, but again, well, I think, I think that the price tag on Gustav Nyquist is at least 6 million at, cause I mean, he's coming off of a five and a half million dollar deal AAV. I can't see him making less than that. So I think at minimum Nyquist is worth 6 million. The Sharks probably don't have that either. So yeah, I mean, um, with the cap that situation they're in. Yeah. But I do think again, like, well, that's, that, that that's considering the whole Pavelski thing. Um, cause that's Pavelski is what was one that would take up half of that cap. And then the rest, right. the rest goes to, you know, whatever UFA or RFA, they can try to, they can try to sign and bring back. Um, but yeah, you know, I think I'm on like a 60, 40 or not only six, I'm like a 70, 30 where 70% he's gone. 70% Nyquist is gone. All right. I think that's fair. Um, that 30% is, you know, still that is because of the fact that I think they will still try to negotiate with them. Just the fact that they don't know what's, what's going on at Pavelski. But sure. And he is a lot younger than Pavelski. He's five years younger. Yeah. 29 years old. Um, he could do, you know, and, and he can fulfill that, um, either he's the, a top six forward. Yeah. And he can, he can f- fulfill either side of the wing. Like he, that's, mm-hmm. he's, he's pretty versatile in that way. Um, he's a very good playmaking winger. That's what Gustav Nyquist is. He played pretty darn well when Pavelski was gone in that, in his head injury that he had in round two after the game seven in Vegas. Um, in an increased role. Yeah, in an increased role, they brought Nyquist up to the first line. And, you know, look, they he was decent enough to help San Jose extend it to a uh, seven-game series, once again, for Pavelski to come back and then utterly dominate. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I, we'll see. San Jose is going to have a very interesting offseason. They will. And that's going to be a talking point for – the next episode what? and the episode after that and whatever episode, however many episodes we make, because there's going to be lots of movement for San Jose, for Vegas, for Toronto. Those are like our spotlight teams to watch for this summer. Yeah. And I, I think Columbus is really interesting too. That too. I don't know. I think Columbus is really interesting too, because they just have so much cap space. They have so much room, so much to work with, but I don't think any of their big guys want to resign with them. I mean, maybe they get Dezingle to come back. Who knows? They could. Um, he's going to get a huge raise because he was he's coming off of a two point one million dollar deal a year. Um, Fifty six points last year, twenty six goals, thirty assists. So maybe he resigns in Columbus. Maybe he stays there. I don't know. Um, but I think a really interesting guy to watch, though, um, just kind of rounding out our um, the top four free agents is. Matt Zuccarello. What do you think he does? Because he's a very high skill guy. He's a very good player. Um, he had an injury shortened campaign this year. Only played forty eight games. Um, uh, scored forty points, uh, but still a very good player um, with some good years ahead of him. What do you think he does? Um, you know, it's gonna. It's it's really interesting on a way that it looks. You know, obviously he had a difficult situation. Um, immediately after um, landing in Dallas, but you know, 
I think part of him wants that second chance in Dallas scene, like kind of like looking at those what ifs is like, what if he didn't get, didn't go through his injuries or whatever. Yeah, we know he's testing the open market, but you know, he could kind of go and sign back with Dallas. I think because you know Dallas is a team that kind of needs not needs a talent like him, but um, they would benefit from it tremendously. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, they know they know his value where it's at, so they can offer him a pretty good deal for it. And I think you know I I do I I will think that he lands back in Dallas. I mean, yeah, they have a very good team already. So, I mean, if you look at the core that they have, you know, Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan, um, John, uh, John Carlson. I mean, not John Carlson. Um, I always mess up that guy's name. Uh, John Klingberg. John Klingberg. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, ben Bishop, all those guys. Uh, you know, it's not a hard team to. It's not a hard sell. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's see. They have eleven forwards right now, five defensemen, two goaltenders, with a uh, about eleven million dollars in cap space. Right. Um, yeah, just a hair under eleven million. Yeah, and their notable guys that they have to focus on, uh, as a, aka their UFAs, are Matt Zuccarello, of course, as we're as we're the main topic, and Jason Spezza. Jason Spezza, though, he was playing such a limited role last year. You know, he was playing on the fourth line quite a bit for yeah. them so last he's... season. So, I mean, if they want to bring him back just as a veteran guy, bring him um, out they can that. definitely have him for a lot less than yeah, get... the $7.5 million cap hit he's coming off of. Yeah, they'll probably, he'll probably take a discount. Oh, big um, big time. Yeah, just because they'll like, they're like, all right, if you want to finish your career here in Dallas, so they can tell us to Spezza and be like, Sign at this deal, and we'll bring back Matt Zuccarello, and we'll be, you know, a super team, and we'll be able to, and we'll be able to compete again. And and it's 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 enticing. How do I mean, yeah, they're they're a good team, and they were one game away from eliminating the Stanley Cup champion. I mean, they took St. Louis all the way to Game Seven in round two. Mm-hmm. They did. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Dallas is interesting, also. So I think we should talk a bit about the defensemen now at this point. I think we've covered a lot of the really interesting guys. Actually, no. Um, I One thing that I wanted to uh, to mention really quick is that Anders Lee, captain of the New York Islanders, um, will most likely not re-sign with the Islanders. So the Islanders will be losing a captain for the second uh, straight two year. straight seasons. Yeah. I, I got a few bad failure Islanders, man. They uh, Those fans really, you know, they... They've gone through so much the last couple of years, but I mean, hey, they had a good year last year, but man, still losing two captains. Yeah, they named him right after uh, Johnny T left, so um, sounds like he's on his way out. I think that Barzell's the he's the obvious choice for next captain, or maybe you skate with three alternates for a while. Uh, teams seem to be doing that a lot lately, so. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, let's talk about defensemen now. Let's see what. Let's talk about defensemen. Yes, let's talk about defensemen. Um, take, yeah. Ooh, yeah. That's right. The uh, one of the big ones to talk about. Jake Gardner. Jake Gardner. Where is he gonna go? 
Well, he's pretty hated in the city of Toronto, I think, unfairly. Yeah. Um, for some mistakes he's made in playoff series as before. Um, he's a good defenseman that's available. Um, what do you think? What do you think he got? Where do you think he goes? Um, I've, you know, I hear a lot of places that want him. Um, and that's the thing is he, he's just got to figure out who he, who really wants him the most. Like in what, like he's got to feel out the, the market where it is because, if he's hated in an area, like, everyone talks about Toronto and how the fact that, you know, it, peop, you only it's play, such a hard market you, you only play there if you feel like you can take the heat because you are going to be under a microscope in Toronto. Um, so go to a place. If, 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 he, if he's that – if Jake Gardner is that kind of guy, have him go to a place where it's quieter, where, like, he can go out and um, – and play in an area where, like, or yeah, play in an area where he can walk walk on the street and not have to be, you know, yelled at or harassed or, yelled or whatever, whatever in any way. He can he can live his life. Um, and let's see. Um, well, Kyle Dubas has said he was uh, quoted yesterday saying, um, "We'd like to keep the Jay Gardner situation on the front burner." But until we solve Mitch Marner's situation and Mitch Marner's contract, it is impossible for him to engage with anybody. Yeah, that's the so bit. basically the Leafs said until we get a new contract for Mitch Marner, um, it's pretty hard to, to talk contracts with anybody else, which I think is pretty easy to imagine. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. I mean, he's the biggest defenseman free agent on the market for sure. It's definitely yeah. a thinner year on the back end. Looks like he um, hasn't talked with very like. There's not much of a uh, talk with um. What do you what do you say? Players being or teams being getting that interest from him. Um, yeah. Not that I see of. Yeah, um, I'm not really seeing much. I mean, I, maybe I he that, wants to stay in Toronto. I think now here's the, except for one team and one team only besides Toronto, and that's Chicago. That's weird. And I don't think he'd work in Chicago. Well, I think that the Maple Leafs can't afford to lose a good defenseman like Jake Gardner. And, yes, he is a good defenseman because that do blue they, line How do they afford always, it? Like, yeah, I don't know if they can really afford to lose a guy like Jake Gardner on the back end. Because, I mean, they're already a very top-heavy team, you know, in terms of how skilled their forward group is relative to their defensive group. So, and also, um, I don't think that Toronto should be looking to lose a guy like him. But at the same time, it's not fair to tell Jake Gardner, okay, bud, take a pay cut because we need to pay Mitch Marner. We need to pay Austin Matthews. We need to pay John Tavares. Especially with the fact that defense is their most glaring like problem. Weakness right as a team, like, yeah. So if, like, if, like, so if you're the Maple Leafs, you want to keep him just the fact that, like, he's going to, like, you're going to try to at least try to what you do what you can to keep him because at least he's going to hold like he's, he's going to be like a somewhat like a glue to help hold together that defense alongside Morgan Riley. Cause really what else that, what else they got going for them right now? Jake Muzzin. Yeah. I mean, Jake, Jake Muzzin's very good D man. He is. But um, one thing that I will say that's very interesting on the defenseman front, at least to me as a Red Wings fan, um, is that Nick Cronwall was told by Steve Eiserman that if he wants to come back and play with the Red Wings, 
that the Red Wings will have that space for him and that they will make a roster spot for him, um, which I don't mind at all. You know, um, he's really the last big holdover from the uh, Detroit Red Wings um, Stanley Cup winning team back in 2008, right? Yep. Um, so I think that it's not a bad idea at all to have him come back and um, help some of the young guys along. The, the Red Wings are an extremely young team, one of the youngest teams in the NHL. Yeah. Um, I mean, and potentially you could see a guy like Joe Valeno uh, come up and make the team next year. I mean, I know he's a forward, but again, it's good to have that veteran guy in the locker room um, that's been around for a long time. What do you think about t- bringing back uh, Cronwall? It's like, it's like one of those situations where you have a player who has been on a team for a while, and it's like, for, it's like all, all his for, entire career, he's played over a decade. Yeah, for, for his, his entire, for, yeah, for a player that's been on the team for his entire career, um, there are very few situations where a te- where a player kind of will w- willingly go and look in, in a different direction, if said player knows he's in the twilight of his career and who knows when his career can end. Um, he's thirty eight, so it's ending like this season or the next. Yeah, so you know, I think. He's going to, if, if he's really, if Nicholas Cornwall is really passionate about being a Red Wing, he is going to um, pretty much essentially go like the Joe Thornton treatment with what Joe Thornton did with San Jose, where essentially, you know, ev- like take one-year contracts every year, and every year that contract goes lower and lower and lower just to kind of accommodate for their players, their other better players getting older and needing new contracts. Nick Lidstrom did that for years at the Red Wings, as I've uh, mentioned before. And I w- um, wouldn't surprise me if Cronwall does it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm in favor of him re-signing. I mean, the Red Wings aren't a team that really needs to spend up to the cap anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have, 12, they have $12 million in cap space right now. The only – they have Thomas Vanek as a UFA. They have Cronwell as a UFA. Luke Witkowski as a UFA. That's it. So the Red Wings don't exactly have a ton of work to do this offseason on the free agent, or they have zero RFAs um, on the NHL roster, at least. They have some guys down in the AHL, most notably uh, Marty Furk, um, but he's getting a bit old uh, for a prospect, at least. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'd be totally fine seeing a guy like Cronwall sign uh, a one-year deal. Nothing longer, though. I don't want it longer than a one-year deal. You know, one-year deals at, you know, when players reach 37, 38 years old, it's the only one that makes sense, really. It's Yeah, give them, like, two million bucks. The Red Wings have the cap space, whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. I, that, that, that's pretty fair. Um, but It's coming off of a $4.75 million cap hit. Mm-hmm. But um, he's not the player that he once was. He used to be among the top defensemen in the NHL, but he's not anymore. Yeah, he's just the, one of those veteran guys who kind of just is there right. for uh, Ron Hainsey, that's another UFA defenseman for Toronto. Yeah, uh, he's quite old, too, 38 years old, but he was a top-pairing defenseman for Toronto last year. Yeah. I mean, God, who is genuinely in a di- more difficult situation, though, Vegas or Toronto? I really don't know. Oh, God. I really um, don't know. You know, I'm – Derek Engelin, right, veteran leader, he's up. He's a UFA, too. All right, you know what? I'm going to go out and say it. Toronto's in a more difficult situation because they don't – because a lot of 
they're going to go ahead and sign their forwards and see what they can do there. But when it comes to the defensemen, what are they going to do? Vegas has the has their defense handle up, and they don't really have much of a problem with defense. They're just they just overstacked up their full like, like yeah. I mean their defense could be better, but their forwards are like their forward, those forward contracts are just ridiculous. Yeah, for Vegas. Yeah, for Vegas. So yeah, um, but well, let's they see. can move. Like, Vegas have... can move around two or three contracts, and they can uh, somehow unload David Clarkson's deal or whatever. Put him on the. Uh, long-term injured reserve, and they will be fine. They will be it's still like a decent team, and they'll probably find out a way to be under the cap and still be a somewhat competitive team. Toronto is in a really difficult situation where the fact that they might like, like they said that they won't be surprised if Mitch Marner gets an offer sheet and they can't match it. That's how much in a difficult situation Toronto. Wait, is did Dubis actually come out and say that? I don't think it was like I think it's like those were like rumors and like reports saying that. That's, oh yeah, that's, like insiders saying yeah, stuff in, like insider that. Insider things saying that's that's an actual worry, and if if you are Dubis, you should be worried about that. I mean, just going back to last summer. I mean, you remember how shocked we both were when Tavares did go to Toronto. I mean, I was saying from the beginning that it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that he would go to Toronto. Yeah, uh, because of what the uh, RFA situation was going to look like with um, Austin Matthews, William Nylander, um, Mitch Marner, Kasperi Kapanen, just keep rattling off the RFAs for Toronto, all needing new deals right around now. It just didn't make sense to sign a, a first line center for eleven million dollars a season when you already had one in your organization in Austin Matthews. Um, so I mean. Toronto kind of did it to their themselves. I don't really feel bad for them because I mean, I've seen people levy the argument online, you know, it really sucks for Toronto, you know, cause they developed these players. These were the players that they drafted, that they developed through their systems, through everything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I concede that point, but they shot themselves in the foot by giving Tavares as much money as they did and signing him in the first place. Cause he was going to get that money somewhere, but yeah, I mean, signing him as much as they did. I mean, Florida came like, Let's go back to the whole Tavares thing. It came down to three teams: Toronto, San Jose, and New York. Um, and like it's the, the and we were again we were all surprised by that decision going to going to Toronto because he could have very well gone to uh, like let's say gone back to New York and would have been and you know things would have been fine, not much of a difference. You know he would have got his money. Or it could have gone to San Jose. San Jose wouldn't have gotten Eric Carlson in this case, but you know that would have made. They still probably would have been good. San Jose would have been still phenomenal because defense wasn't a problem for San Jose. Because de- no, it wasn't. Because they already like this was a team that already had uh, Mark Edward Vlasic and Brett Burns. Like it wasn't that was so. There, there wouldn't have been much of a problem if he went to San Jose, or much of a problem if he went to. New York, but he decided to go to a team in which, yeah, there was going to be a problem, and all because he wanted to go home. Yeah, and now, I mean, I feel bad for guys on Toronto that are now basically being haggled with by Kyle Dubas and the Leafs management team saying, hey, you guys need to take less money now because we just took a whole wheelbarrow full of cash and gave it to John Tavares. I mean, how would you feel if you're one of the players? No, that would that, that, that would just be like, all right, what? It would irk me a little yeah, bit. Oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I won't lie. 
And again, it wouldn't surprise me if Mitch Marner is given an offer sheet that Toronto cannot match. No, it wouldn't, but who would offer sheet him? <laughs> let's uh let's speculate about no, we're talking about RFA's next episode. We're yeah. talking about RFA's next episode. Yeah, we will talk about um, RFA's next episode. We're gonna spend a good deal on Mitch Marner yeah, next time. That's just a little bit that. this is just a little bit of a teaser for you guys to yeah. listen to the next episode. But um yeah, I, th- I mean, I think that that's the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, I think we could talk an entire hour just about Toronto if we really wanted to. Oh, yeah, easily. Um, then other than that, you know, you don't really have that many huge guys on the defensive front of things. I mean, Derek England is up going back to Vegas being in such a tough situation. Yeah, but he's 37. And Vegas doesn't really need a new a def- another defenseman. They have six No, they don't, already, but so he was such a leader on the team. He was. He lives in Vegas. Like, he, that's his hometown. Um, sure. And, you know, he's that kind of leader. But at the same time, like, you know, if he wants to come back, he'd have to come back like at a minimum salary or whatever, just because the fact that, you know, Vegas' cap situation is still a bit of a problem. Right. And I mean, and for these players, I mean, loyalties are loyalties, right? But ultimately, um, these guys are out there to make a living and they're out there to make as much money as they can before they retire. Yep. You know, so if Derek England, if someone like that can get more money elsewhere, somebody else wants to bring him in as a, as a good veteran leader. Who needs a veteran defenseman right now? I don't know. Not Arizona. No, not they, Detroit. They're, they're fine. Detroit's fine. Um, I don't know. Maybe somebody like Ottawa. How about somebody like uh, Thomas Dubot? Um, Go on to help read. Vancouver. Vancouver. Yeah. Well, they have Alex Edler. They have Alex Edler. They don't need it. Yeah, no. Yeah, Another old defenseman. It'll be interesting to see how that one turns out. I mean, and, you know, Ottawa has, has uh, millions and millions and millions of dollars to spend right now, so... Well, how much do they have to spend? Uh, they have a okay, right now thirty-three million dollars of cap space. Oh boy! And they um, they are eleven or eleven point seven million dollars below the floor. Well, let me ask you this: Do you think Dion Phaneuf gets a new contract from somebody? Do I think Dion Phaneuf does? Or yes. do you think Dion Phaneuf's NHL days are behind him? I think he will sign another contract, but it won't it won't be anywhere near the value that it was previously. It's going to be a very low-value contract. He's not the player he used to be significantly, obviously. I mean, like, you look at the way he played, it's just... I'm looking at the, you know, the stats in general right like right now in front of us on the... No, they uh, were dismal a, last year, to say not, the least. For a defenseman, minus 21? Well, again, he was playing he was on, on a bad LA Kings. Uh, again, he was, he was playing, playing on, the, on a really bad LA Kings. You and you and that's a good point to bring up. But at the same time, though, that's just for any for any defenseman, you should be ashamed of yourself when it's that low. Like, yeah, I know. I, that's yeah, that's not good. And only six points in sixty-seven games. I know you shouldn't really judge defensemen, especially a guy like Dion Phaneuf, based off of his offensive numbers. I get that because he's most he's mo- he's supposed to be a shutdown guy, but. Hey, he wasn't earlier in his career. Earlier in his career, he was more of an offensive guy, but he's evolved into that. Um, yeah, I say he gets a contract somewhere else again. Maybe somebody looking for a veteran D-man. I mean, he's not wanting for money, though. His estimated career earnings are $78 million, so Dion Phaneuf's more than okay. Yeah, um, he'll go somewhere, um, but again, he's not going to um, He's not gonna try to haggle up as much as he can because like, he knows he's not going to get it. 
a good a good value, especially at uh, the kind of season he already had. All right, Tyler Myers, Winnipeg. Yeah, no, I totally agree. But Tyler Myers, Winnipeg, when I really look at the list of notable free agent defensemen, he's really – but him and Jake Gardner are the two most notable guys under the age of of 30. So, I mean, teams that are really desperate to add defense, I think, could throw a lot of money at both of those guys, just kind of to wrap up the defensive uh, segment of the show. Tyler Myers is a very good guy, six foot six. Um, excellent skater, six eight. Sorry, excuse wow, me. I knew he was tall. crazy tall. Yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy tall guy. Um, and uh, but yeah, I think Tyler Myers is. Um, I think he'll get re-signed by Winnipeg, though. I don't think Winnipeg's going to want to let him go. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, but he hasn't signed a contract extension yet. You don't see guys remaining with teams often going to market these days. You know, usually they sign some sort of extension. And that usually happens before the interview period starts. Right. Um, and which is, again, it started today. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. You know what's interesting? And I'm just just listening to this bring up, even though it's not it's not important, just the fact that, because, you know, this, is, this player is a... Um, a six slash seventh D man, but Myers. No, no, I'm looking. I'm talking about another player that's on here. Okay. Is um yeah. You should have heard what I was trying to say earlier. Trying to segue with what's interesting about this other player. Sorry. Is, yeah. Um, that Tim Heat is on this list. Of oh. Yes, he is. He's uh number four right there on our list based off of how we're uh, sorting it here on Cap Friendly. Um, yeah. Uh, what do you think he does? He's under the age of thirty. Yeah, he's gonna sign probably a one or two years, one point five million dollars per year. Uh, he's not. He's his value isn't high because again, as I mentioned, he's a sixth or seventh D man, and, and going. And I'm sure he'd want to go back to San Jose, where he knows he'd have. A, he's he's got a like a, a chance at, with, to play alongside a perennial cup contender. Like it's. And I think San Jose's best years, and I think that their window is really just a couple years wide at this point Yeah, in their uh, career. Re-signing Carlson has kind of helped nudge it just a little bit longer there. Um, Yeah, I think that their chances of winning the Stanley Cup would have been significantly less if they lost a guy like Eric Carlson. And I think especially if Carlson gets a full, healthy year in San Jose next year, it could be really good for him, or or will be really good for him. If If he's healthy all year, and it's playing in the lineup all year. You know, he's used to the team now. He's used to the city. He's used to his coach. He's used to everything, right? I mean, you saw the way um, he played when he was healthy between uh, December and January before he got his uh, – um, before he tore the groin for the first time. And um, – He had he, something like 21 points in like 14 games. Yeah, it was phenomenal. And then it was, it was insane. Not to mention, he went through his injury. You know, he kind of went off and on, off and on, off and on. Goes into the playoffs. You saw the way he played in the playoffs, even though he still had that injury. Still phenomenal, and people were still questioning the Sharks re-signing him. But I digress. Yeah. I mean, Carlson's the type of guy that you don't really get a chance to sign too often. Um, exactly. So I mean, I I don't think you really want to let guys like that walk. But, you know, 
I think that's really should be it for defensemen. It's not a crazy deep uh, defenseman free agent class, unlike the forward free agent classes here, which is yeah, if Carlson, has a lot if of interesting If Carlson didn't resign, then yeah, you'd probably we'd we'd, talk, we'd we'd be talking ends and ends and ends about where he'd go. But um, yeah, people were throwing out all sorts of rumors before he resigned with uh, San Jose. But um, we won't talk about those obviously because there's no reason to. Yeah. But um, so, okay, so goaltender. So, Sergey Bobrovsky, we've talked about him a little bit already. Um, that's really the biggest free agent goaltender I can remember in a long time. He's 30 years old, which goaltenders actually tame, tend to age either really bad or really well, from what I've noticed. I don't know if you're of the same opinion. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's like a, it's like a, it really is a hit. It's or a real crapshoot. Total crapshoot. Um, yeah, 37 wins, 24 losses, 9 shutouts, 258 uh, goals against average, 913 save percentage last year for Sergei Bobrovsky. So, bonafide starting goaltender. I think he's at least a, a $9 million guy on the open market. Oh, yeah, easily. Because um, it's really hard to come by a genuine, true, bonafide starting goaltender in the NHL on the free agent market like that. So, I think that... Now, um, any now, team that wants a guy like Bobrovsky is going to pay for him dearly. Now, the interesting thing is we kind of already know that he doesn't want to go back. I mean, he, d- he doesn't really want to go back to uh, Columbus. And it's been known for months now. Like, Yeah, pe- people know that. That's It's a widely known fact. I mean, um, and when you think about really good teams that have um, – that really don't have – whose major deficiency is in the area of goal – um, I really think of the Florida Panthers, you know, because if you look at them over the last couple of years, I mean, their forward group is just unreal. Yeah, we were talking already, about that even earlier. We were too. already talking about that, right? Yeah. But just kind of to state restate it, their forward group is unreal. It would get even better with the addition of a Panarin. Their blue line is serviceable, right? Um, good with guys like Keith Yandel and Aaron Ekblad back there. Those are two very good players, especially Ekblad. So if you add a, um, I think if you add a Sergei Bobrovsky to the mix, I think that's definitely the um, the difference that a team like Florida needs to become a, a playoff contending team. So I I think that he's an excellent fit in Florida and another Atlantic Division team that I think he would actually be a good fit in with is um, is Buffalo actually the Buffalo Sabers. Okay. Because they have eighteen million dollars in cap space, right? And um, I actually watch quite a bit of Sabres hockey because one of my really good friends is a, a big Sabres fan. Um, oh, I'm sure if we brought Tom Callahan back here, he'd... Oh, uh, he'd be talking about it too. But yeah. I, I think that one of the biggest deficiency that the Sabres really have is is in goal. Because um, Carter Hutton was brilliant during that 11-game win streak that they had. Um, but after that, he just did not look like the starting goaltender that they brought him in to be. I mean, I can I, I can also see this as a situation too. Yeah, you're right. I'm looking at I'm just looking at the cap situation right now for Buffalo, and they don't only have one goaltender, and that is Carter Hutton. Bringing yeah, in, like bumping Hutton down to a to a backup and signing a guy like Sergei Bobrovsky that that'd be huge. That'd be huge. They have a very good, very committed owner, a very rich owner importantly yes, he also owns the important. buffalo bills um i mean they don't have huge rfas i mean they've uh zegmas Girgensons, who's a fourth liner uh johan larson um again another bottom six guy evan rodriguez, evan rodriguez bottom six jason pominville 
veteran guy you can probably he could be had for cheap probably jake mccabe um again not a guy that you're gonna have to spend a bunch of money on so the sabers actually have quite a bit of room to make to um like all make some moves all those rfas can be qualified sure um and then and they still have let's say 12 million dollars to work with or whatever um, maybe plus. you can trade because I think I actually think that all markets is a really good young goalie but he is 25 years old already um, and I, I don't think that bringing in a guy like Sergei Bobrovsky would be a bad move for Buffalo I don't know if Bobrovsky would want to go play in Buffalo because it is another small market team it's a very avid market it's one of the best sports cities in America in my opinion Buffalo New York is mm-hmm. um but it's not a huge market team, but I think that it's actually a team that he would fit in quite nicely with um, a team with a lot of potential, a lot of upside. Yeah, I can, I, I can see that. Um, it'd be interesting to see where he goes. Cause it's, he's, this, again, that's one of the, the biggest ones again on the market right now. Um, and I guess the biggest goaltender on the market. No yeah, doubt about it. Yeah. Cause I mean, after that, you have Sergei Verlamov. Uh, I mean, Semyon Verlamov. Mike Smith. Um, who's had a very up-and-down career. Don't you agree? Yeah, it's been... And there's a reason why um, uh, Grubauer came in and kind of took care of most of the uh, most of the reps come, like, playoff time. Right, because Grubauer, I think Colorado recognizes as the goalie of their future. And if you're Colorado, um, that needs to, again, a little RFA preview episode, that needs to give Miko Ranson a new deal, which is going to be very expensive. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to keep a guy like Varlamov. You're going to have that expensive of a goaltending duo, especially when you have um, Peter Grubauer right now for uh, – or Phil Grubauer for the money that you do. He's only a 3.3 million Grubauer is. That's a steal for a guy like him. Yep. So, yeah, I think that Colorado is definitely going to bring in somebody else to play that backup role. And they're going to have Grubauer going forward. Um, so I don't know when I really think around the league of teams that re- see, this is the problem with free agent goaltenders. I'll tell you what it is. I mean, outside of Bobrovsky on the list of free agent goalies, I mean, Robin Leonard, could be really good somewhere else too he is a big free agent goalie also um so same with curtis McElhenney. there aren't that many teams out there that i think could make that big of an upgrade by signing any one of these guys except for Bobrovsky. well he was he was in the thing too it's not only that is pretty rarely do you get you know more well-known uh goaltenders to be on the move in free agency it just doesn't you just don't hear it happen very often um, no, especially guy Bobrovsky's caliber. He's a uh, Vezina Trophy winner. Keep that in mind. Cam Talbot. Who knows if Cam Talbot gets a new deal anywhere? Same goes for Cam Ward. I think both of those guys might um, might not get deals at all. Yeah, they're they're reaching the point of their career where they don't really kind of they 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 can't really compete anymore. With some with this a lot of the younger players who have just been phenomenal i think yeah i agree and i think peter morazic speaking of uh cam ward you know carolina hurricane for many years recently left right um i think peter morazic gets signed long term as carolina's starting goaltender oh, yeah he's 27 he's been playing pretty darn well 
No, he was excellent for them this year. I was always a huge fan of him in uh, Detroit. And um, so I think Carolina uses him as a starting goaltender going forward. I don't think he goes anywhere else. I mean, he'll definitely get a new deal, Peter Morazic. He's oh, not, no, doubt, you know, no doubt about his it. His playing days are not done in the NHL. Um, Curtis McElhenney, he's, he's getting older. 36, but, yet, but still not bad. Like, maybe a team like Colorado looking for a veteran backup for a guy like Philip Grubauer goes after Curtis McElhenney. Maybe. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a, that's a possibility. Yeah. Um, Robin Leonard, I think he stays in New York. Yeah, no doubt about that. Like he had a, yeah. like it was, uh, you can just tell the way he enjoyed being on the Islanders. Like, yeah. I don't know. The goalie thing's actually, this is actually more of an interesting, uh, the more you discuss this free agent class of goaltenders right now, the more interesting it seems. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you look at it on the, uh, on the wide scope of things, you're just like, eh, you know, but then you look at it, it's like, you know what? This guy you start talking about the here. names. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's like, you know what? Yeah. Now you think about it. They might, this, 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 it might, it's more interesting than, than you might think. But I mean, Hey, this is good. This is a, uh, good just uh, free agent class in general i think there's going to be lots of moving parts this it, year this um, is a deeper free agent class than usual for sure yeah i know last year we had a lot of fun talking about um some pretty big names you know of course um i think what were some of the big names we had last year besides john Tavares? i know uh james van 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 Riemsdyk, um yeah um that was a big one for sure Paul Stastny was kind of like a sign-in trade, I believe. Yeah, right? Paul Stastny was another one of those. Winnipeg did the same thing with Kevin Hayes this year. Yep. Uh, basically traded his negotiated, negotiating rights to Philly. And then, I think that was a bit of an overpay. I didn't mention that earlier. Seven but, million? Yeah, I think that's right. a bit much for a guy like Kevin Hayes, but, but yeah, we'll no. see. Time will tell. Uh, but, yeah, last year was a pretty fun draft cl- uh, or excuse me, uh, free agent class this year. Whew, we're going to have some fun. We will. And I think with that, we can just wrap things up and uh, we'll start thinking about those RFAs for next episode. We'll be, we'll be spending a lot of time talking about Mitch Marner. Oh, yeah. The RFA class is a whole nother story, and that's why we have a whole separate episode about the RFAs. Um, and that will be our last episode, likely, unless we decide to, unless we need to do any extra episodes, but probably more like our last our most likely last episode before our free agency live episode, which if you haven't watched it before last year's, it's going to be uh, a live, you know, one to or two to three hour broadcast or whatever, how long we can make it uh, where we, you know, watch the free agent free agency show um, live and put our live uh, reactions and it's going to be on YouTube and probably also on Periscope and really try to, we're going to try to, you know, push that one out because this year is going to be a big one and i'm looking forward to free agency live this year it's going to be a good show oh it will well again once again that will do it for us here today on the uh unrestricted free agent episode of the inside the glass off season uh to begin season three of inside the glass and or inside the glass on anchor for that matter it's uh, been quite a run going so far but once again Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode. We'll see you for the RFA episode in maybe a couple days. See you then.